I let that out. Uh, we going by a little name change in the process, but uh, uh, I must try to get myself used to saying War Media uh, instead of WeAreRegalRadio.com, you know. But uh, anyway, uh, new beginnings and everything. Uh, I think it brings on a new series, uh, rightfully. And I'm doing, I'm kicking off a new series right now called, you may have seen the title already, called Writer's Room. And uh, in this series, I'm, you know, getting, essentially getting one-on-one discussions, in-depth discussions with writers who I respect and everything. Uh, People, you know, just utilizing my connections in journalism and literary world and whatnot. And, you know, just having some fun conversations with people who I, like I said, who I respect and whose work, who's done some cool work. So um, I'm glad to have for my first episode none other than Jamie Nesbitt Golden. Hi. <laughs> there is. Let them know you're here. And uh, she's here right with me. And um, yeah, we're just going to talk a little bit right now about uh, an, uh, a pretty cool event she's going to be hosting uh, coming up this week, as well as, you know, stuff in her, uh, stuff in her life and her career and everything. Uh, she's been um, doing some great work for uh, Block Club Chicago recently. And, uh, you know, just, like I said, just, uh, chilling, just chilling out here. We're here sipping Saver on 47th Street. And, uh, you know, it's not far from where I live now, and it's not very not far from where you grew up. I grew up in this building. Yeah, yeah, yeah the Rosenwald. So t- like, what, what's that like? Like, I, I kind of want to get into, as, as we start off, is what are your thoughts on the neighborhood now and how... Is you know, it's, there's been a, a bit of a, a change yeah. around here, and you know, how do you um, compare that to how 47th was when you grew up? Um, so, on one hand, it's really great to see uh, the life come back in this neighborhood after after so long, um, but I, like, I'm a little nostalgic. Like, I'm sort of taking it all in. Like, this is. Um, Sip and Saber used to be the corner store where my friends worked part time when we were in like high school, grade school, and um, and like my mom, you know, would send me like to the store every day to like play her lottery and buy her pantyhose. So like I would come in here every day, <laughs> right here on the corner, play her numbers yeah. and buy pantyhose, even though I was, I was too young to play numbers. Um, but like she had. But to that's what mamas are doing. Right, right. Like yeah. she, she knew how to finesse. Yeah. So um, and there used to be a newspaper stand right here, and that's when I used to go get her Sun Times every day. I think the stand. Yeah, it's really. Yeah, it's re- not not long as has it been down. Actually, right. the actual stand. Yeah, yeah. Hasn't been in business, but. Yeah, yeah. no. It's like um, I know um, when the around 2000 when the building was evacuated. Um, the sta- newspaper stand was up maybe a year or so before it was raised, and then it came back briefly. I think a few years back, and mm-hmm. only to be raised again. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, like my uh, my first introduction to journalism was basically getting a Sun Times from mom every day. Oh man. Um, and my mom used to manage Club One Thirteen. Um, oh wow. Yeah. Um, she, uh, you can see it right from the window. Right, sitting. like it's crazy. Um, so there's like a lot of history here, and it's like I said, it's great to see it. Um, I just hope that, uh, and I think in some ways it is sort of keeping within the vision of Rosenwald and that like it, this is supposed to be affordable housing for black folks, and I yeah. want that. To, I, I'm hoping that this thing sort of stays true to that vision. I think that's important. 
Definitely, definitely. I, I, I didn't grow up in this area, but I've lived in, in and around Bronzeville for the past several years now, and I love it up here. Mm -hmm. And I like, like you say, the culture and the history that you know exists within all these buildings and these, you know, these houses, all the, the amazing people who lived yep. in this area, like and who lived in Rosenwald, like, like, uh, you know, I, I took the tour here for the. Uh, the architectural yeah. event in, in October, the architectural weekend, and like it was just so cool to see all the pictures and, and to see oh, all sorry, the people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I posted it up on IG though. It's, it's if you you can look it up on there. It's like it was just real cool. Like me and my mom came through and like we just really enjoyed it. I was I was like, man, if I could get a spot here, I would be glad <laughs> to to live here. I mean, like. Back in the day, like like it used to be, like this was the place to be if you were like an like, like if you're you know like a, an awkwardly mobile black person. Mm -hmm. Like um, there was a, a, a like a lengthy vetting process to get into the building. Um, people had to vouch for you. You, you had you, like you had to have all your ducks in a row in order to like move in. Um, by the time my mom and I got here, though, um, like it had been. I think uh, we came here in 1980, so it was like three. Um, and so by that time, I think it, it was uh, being managed by CHA, it had fallen into disrepair, mm. and just kind of went downhill from there. Uh, and, uh, you know, it sucks because, like, again, so much history, so much beauty, so much rocket, like, so, it, like, it's really hard to sort of articulate just how important this building was. Yeah. Not only to you know the neighborhood, but to Bronzeville at large. Yeah. And for it to sort of suddenly just, you know, fall apart. Well not suddenly, it was a, a slow process. Yeah. Um, it was you know, like it was like watching a slow death. And so now, like almost twenty years later, because again, like it, the building shut down in two thousand, um, to see it back on its feet, it's like it's really inspiring. It, it, yeah. And it makes sense that for this place to have life and you know to have new life in the in the community mm -hmm. you know that that would go hand in hand yeah. you know and, and now you have you know businesses here like sip and saver and, right. and you know the ice cream right. like, you know. i mean like i think it's really great that they sought out like black businesses to sort of come so, back definitely, and, definitely. and i think that's, that's a definitely a sign of of strength and um, it's 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 great to see because I mean, back back when we were living here, I can maybe I could count maybe like a, like one hand how many black businesses were. Mm. Uh, and now, like I think, I mean, if we're serious about keeping Chicagoans here, I think we have to give them a reason to stay. And I think part of that is, you know, like really truly supporting entrepreneurship. Okay. And, and that's how we thrive. Okay. Okay. Now I won't go back to. You mentioning the uh, the the newspaper stand mm -hmm. and ingratiating yourself with the Sun Times and that's such yeah. like that's such a Chicago story because <laughs> it, it, it was it's pretty much the same for me like my mom would work um, she worked second shift and like she'd go out before she left she would bring she would go like. Uh, she'd go out or something and she'd come back and bring the paper. And I'd come home from school and I'd always read the paper. Like, I'd be by my, just by myself reading the paper, reading the sports, reading the uh, entertainment section, reading whatever, you know. And um, that's how I, that's really how I came to love writing in general and writing in, in that structure, in yep. that newspaper way. Yep. 
So by the time I was in, like a senior in high school, I was like, well, there's something I might want to do. So it was, and at the same time being the paper, it is, you know, as opposed to the Tribune. Right. That was always the paper that. Right. That was like the working class. Yes. That was the paper of people and. Oh. So my mom would read the Times, my grandmother would read the trip. Hmm. And I think um, I like, when I was I think it was I was around the age where um, Mike Royko was a columnist. Um, okay. uh, he was like a really popular columnist back then. He yeah. I think this is around the time that he jumped from the Times to Trip. Okay. So like whenever I'm spending weekends at grandma's house, <laughs> I'm like I'm picking up her paper and she used to love Royko. Yeah. And whenever she was done, I'm picking up the paper, I'm reading his column, and I'm, I'm getting like, I know, unbeknownst to me, I'm, I'm getting a crash course in Chicago politics mm-hmm. at like 9 or 10, you know? Like, I mean, that's huge. Um, but yeah, so you I mean, were the kid. Like, <laughs> I was that kid too. Like, yeah. I was uh, as young as 9 or 10, like, mm-hmm. I would... I would get with my cousin, like I'd be with my cousin, we'd be spending the time over at our grandparents and stuff, and they would be, you know, we'd, we'd be eating uh, breakfast and stuff, and they'd be messing, we'd yep. be messing around the table, I'd be sitting there, read the paper, like, and like, they'd be like, look, what's wrong with this kid? Like, what? what? I mean, but that was my shit. Like, I mean, other kids went towards the I mean, I, I, like, I casually read the comics or whatever, they really care about the shit. Like, it was either, it was front page news, and it was a conference. And yeah. for me, my Roy Code embodied everything I wanted to be. Like, mm. I wanted to sort of, you know, like, sort of advocate for the underdog. Yeah. And I wanted to, you know, you know, basically talk shit about politicians and get away with it. As early as that mm-hmm. What, what, what? I was a kid watching, um, oh my God, I'm so embarrassed to say, but like, I was a kid watching, like, the, um, all the uh, political conventions okay. for the election year, and like I'm just, I'm, and I'm, but I'm riveted because like this is, I don't know what it is. Maybe because I didn't have cable, but like <laughs> my mom refused to get cable until I was like in college because she thought I was gonna like, you know. Oh wow, you never had cable. Or... I didn't have cable until like until college. Wow. Like never mind the fact that we live in Poison, Michigan. I've probably seen everything you think you're, you know, keeping from me. <laughs> right, right. But it's like you think Oz is gonna be okay. Then. <laughs> um. But no, so yeah, yeah, so the guy was like, he was watching the, the local conventions, um, and like later on, I would, you know, volunteer on campaigns for Dem- you know, Dem candidates. And, okay. Um, so I was always sort of civically minded because my mom was civically minded. Like, she had an eighth grade education, but like that bar kind of served as like a community hub for everybody here. Hmm. If someone fell in a hard time, she's, you know, collecting money. Um, I can't count how many people like crash on a couch as when I was as I was growing up. Yeah. Like that was that was her. Um, she um, allowed you know like she was managing the bar, so she allowed you know uh, folks to come in and fundraise on behalf of candidates. She pitch in you know with canvassing stuff like that. So like that's where I grew up. Like that's how I grew up. That's how I was raised. Oh, that's interesting. That's, that's, that's interesting. So. <laughs> How, when um, as you as you went along in life, mm-hmm. like uh, this, because you know we'll lead up, we'll, we'll go go up to where you're at now. So okay. let's do a little, <laughs> this a little overall narrative here. How right. did when you um, you went to Kenwood, right? Uh, high school. Yeah, Kenwood Academy. Yeah. And you went to the, uh, we uh, we may talk about that a little later. You went okay. to there some interesting times. I yeah, that was. <laughs> but um, but yeah, so 
I guess, how did these things format within you as far as the, the love of journalism and the love of public uh, service and whatnot, of, um, of civic-minded? Was were, were they ever at odds, or were, was it like at one point you wanted to be maybe more into politics, or, or were you always like, oh, I want to just write about politics and stick it to uh, <laughs> I think for me, I've always wanted to write about it. I've never wanted to really participate in it because I, I think... Um, and this is, I mean, and maybe this is sort of like a, a sort of a grim look or outlook, but I think that typically, you know, um, no matter how pure of heart you are, once you get into the field, at some point you become corrupt. I think, um, you know, even if it's by, you know, like a, a small amount, even if it's, you know, I, I look at, I, I think about, um, Eight years of Barack Obama, which was great, yeah. but you you realize how much he had to fight, just even for even a little piece oh, yeah. of you know progress. Yeah. Um, and, and now we're sort of seeing all that progress being you know like quickly uh, yanked away. Yeah. Um, and it's I think anybody who uh, I I applaud anybody who believes that they have what it takes to enter the field of politics. Yeah. I just don't think, uh, I don't think I'm put out for it, one, because my patience is super, super, like, super just, low. Yeah. Like, I don't, um, I, think you I, can I manage the process no, as well. No, I would, yeah. I would, like, if, if, what's in that, so like, I, I probably, I don't have Donald Trump's politics, but I have Donald Trump's temperament. Definitely. I would be the one cursing up a, a blue streak and serving right. like, you know, McDonald's to athletes and um, <laughs> just, like, yeah, let's take this fish for like, But you probably as opposed to him, you'd probably be like you would be less patient, but you still would be working. Like oh, yeah, well, he's he's not patient and he doesn't work. Likes to golf a lot. My, my guy likes to golf a lot. More golf than actual work, which I mean, when you think about it, kind of works out for us because the more he golfs, the less shit he can get us into. That's yeah. That's 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 yeah. well said. Cause yeah. that's one thing that I sort of come away with with his presence. He's like he could he's evil, but he could be evil and way more uh, effective, way effective if, he were, if he had an actual work ethic. Like, yeah. Imagine Donald Trump with a work. I mean, like we. Yeah. If he was evil and competent, we right. would really be in like, trouble. This whole place would be leveled by now. <laughs> like, just, you just know. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I know that don't have the politics, but I do like the ability to be able to, like, hold politicians accountable for what they say and what they do. But I think um, being, uh, my position, you know, the fact that I'm allowed to, to sort of do that in my position um, is important to me. Like, I don't want to kiss anybody's ass, and I, I don't... How can I put this? Um, I'm not an ass kisser, um, but I also believe in like giving credit where it's due. I think that's important. I think, I think there's you know like in, in certain areas, like the, you, you, when we talk about objectivity, um, I think in a lot of areas it's impossible for us to be objective, right? Sure. 
I think though when it comes to certain areas in politics and certain politicians we kind of have to be objective I think um, like there's no like if I'm talking about Trump I'm not going to be objective there because that's a, a, a man who is very actively trying to destroy the country sure um, but if I'm talking about politics on a local level like say Rahm Emanuel Rahm Emanuel's trash however <laughs> there are some good things that he has done and I'm able to be I'm, I, I'm able to see that and able to yeah. I think we have to sort of, you know, be careful with how. Um, yeah, let's let's talk let's talk a little bit about that because, okay. like, we're at this transition point now. We're literally in the transition point between him and um, you know he, he he had his last day in office, yeah. technically Friday, yeah. and tomorrow Monday, uh, Lori Lightfoot will be inaugurated. And uh, like looking back on Ron, like you said. I was I was always too I was with everybody with the chorus of you know Rama's fucking up Rama you know whatever, but it, but you it, like you said it, it, within the context of Chicagoans you can admire there was some things you could uh, admire about him right. or admire about or, or just a, a acknowledge about what he did and I was I always wonder like. What is the line? Like, can we, can we, especially as black folks, can we say anything positive about him at any point? So here's the thing, right? Like, having cover stories, um, the few stories I've done uh, about economic development in areas like this, or or women, facing is crazy. And these are like black businesses. <laughs> wouldn't get a fair shake otherwise if it weren't for Ron Emanuel creating like the neighborhood opportunity fund in order to like get you know businesses from downtown to have money to the community. Okay. Like all of the, like, he makes these he makes this shit possible. Now is he trash when it comes to schools? Hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, I'm, That's I'm obvious. Just, he made that obvious. Right. Um, but here's where neoliberal politics kind of, you know, work out in a way because this wouldn't be here without the internet. Jean Michel's ice cream wouldn't be here without the internet. Like, he made sure that black entrepreneurs in this city get a chance to, you know, like, live their dreams, branch out, whatever. I mean, I, I mean, and I think that's important to his credit. Like, we can we can definitely give him props for that. Now, like I said, when it comes to everything else, so other things, like, yeah. <laughs> we have to be fair about that. And he was another guy who, you know, personality-wise, you, you kind of could take him. Right, right. Take no. him or leave him, you know. <laughs> like, I don't believe that he lost that finger in, 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 in a fast food job. <laughs> no, bro, I don't know. Somebody willingly took right? it <laughs> I was like, you, mm, I don't know. You got a little mouth on you. I feel like somebody thought you All right, so looking at looking at the the new boss now, the new mayor. What, what do you think about Miss Miss Lightfoot? <laughs> <laughs> so remember back in twenty oh eight when everybody was super excited about Barack Obama and Definitely. Um, I appreciate the what it is to follow her. I find it really, really interesting though that it took this long to not even to, to not only, you know, like getting a queer woman, a queer black woman off this. Um, but it's like for 
Oh yeah. Um, but that, you you know the you know right, what the I, real I know. is. Like yeah. I mean, Chicago <laughs> likes to like it, it likes to appear progressive. It likes the like. Uh, as a lot of as a lot of the South in it. Right, right. Lot of, like a lot of it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no. Um, I think I appreciate the, the mummer for what it is. Uh, but I'm definitely taking a wait and see attitude mm -hmm. because of because of her history, because of the past, because of you know how she's handled things. Sure. Um, so and I, and I think um, I'm hoping that we don't that we again appreciate this moment, but we don't lose sight of what needs to be done and how it needs to be done. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's it, really. Like I. Um, I'm not gonna lie. I, I voted for her um, because, to me, um, she was a slightly better choice than Tony Preckwinkle. Yeah. I lived in Tony Preckwinkle's ward. <laughs> I covered her when I was a reporter at the Hyde Park Herald. I would okay. cover, her. so I saw how she operated, and I wasn't really, you know, keen on it. Um, so that said, you know. Um, Lightfoot definitely has some strikes against her. Um, when it comes to you know, the idea of like repurposing shuttered schools as like police training facilities, maybe not the best idea there. Um, that's that's kind of appealing to another sector of the right, city. Right, right. Like I mean, like I mean, like she, she she's really chummy with you know uh, some members of the Republican establishment. She went yeah. to the White House. And yep. had a really awkward photo op with yes, Obama that was, Trump. Yeah. Um, that picture was. Right, it's like, like it's like they, they look so uncomfortable. Um, yeah. So like, I I I'm going to take a wait and see attitude. Um, but like as 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 far as you know, like I really don't um, particularly like or trust any politician. Okay. <laughs> so like, it's, I feel like skepticism is a healthy thing for me, especially here. Yeah. Um, and even, like, again, like, I was, I, I said the same thing about Barack, like, um, 10 years ago. It's like, okay, I, again, I appreciate the moment, sure. but, like, no. <laughs> what, what caused that specific, was, um, was there anything that specifically caused that Because you, like I said, you were, you've been in the city, you saw, you, you saw, you know, his rise pretty right, much. Right, right. So, like, um, I was still at the Herald when he was a senator, and he had just won. And it's like it was a no-brainer, right? Because if you're going against, oh my God, I can't remember the guy's name. Uh, oh, the, you're talking about for the Alan U.S. Alakaze, yes. yeah, yeah. Who was kind of like the vapid vinegarine of politics. Like, I mean, he's all razzle-dazzle, but no substance. And he's tanking in those debates, and you're seeing it. And it's like, okay, well, this is, again, a no-brainer. You're going to have to vote for it. And besides, for, you know, Barack is actually, like, living in and working in Illinois, and, mm -hmm. like, the Republicans yeah, they just basically just, you know, right, they're yeah. just like, okay, yeah. you, okay, work your magic. And it's like, it's Alan Keyes, he has no magic. No. Um, He's black, though. Right, <laughs> and that was another thing. <laughs> like, between, I think, back then, it was just, like, Alan Keyes and Michael Steele. Like, that's all they had. It yep, was just like... Pretty much. Um, so, yeah, so, like, I... You, you, and so you, you have, like, a sort of a front row seat to the, to the, uh, to the show. And while, again, like, Murad ran on very progressive politics, which was great, like, when he was here. Sure. When he got to the White House, 
not so much. Like we, and I, I understand you kind of you, when you are, you know, when you are the president of the United States, you have to govern uh, for all people, yeah. and that's fine. And, like, he, and he ran into some roadblocks, like, right, like, like you said, he, in Congress. Right. Like he was Congress. the most opposed president in history, mm-hmm. and it wasn't just because you know. He was a Democrat. No. And they still don't to this day that we don't want to, you know, acknowledge like, the racial animus that yeah. existed throughout this entire term. Definitely. Um, but, yeah, so, but, you know, there was that. And I think in his need to be conciliatory to certain folks, to certain factions, I think, um, for me, um, it was too much. Yeah. Um, I think when people spit in your face repeatedly, you don't quote Lincoln at them. <laughs> you kind of yeah. have to be a little more savage. Because, I mean, they're calling you a savage. Point. It's like, you know, so let me yeah. show you what let I Let me show you, right. right. Um, it, it, and, but we're yeah. never going to have that moment. We're not, like, Barack Obama's never going to have that moment. I think also, um, as much as... Uh, we hate to admit it. I, I think black folks hate to admit it. Um, respectability politics played a major part in a lot of his initiatives. When it came to like issues of the black community, sure. like my brother's keeper, free on the surface, but like we're telling kids to pull up the pants. Yeah. Like I, w- I remember being a high school student who wore saggy pants. Like I don't. It didn't I mean, make much, much of a difference right. as far as what. Right. I mean, I was. I still get out of trouble. Yeah. I still, you know, got. Well, I'm not gonna lie and say I got good grades, but <laughs> I mean, here we are, like 20 years later. Right. It didn't like, ruin your life. Right. I'm just saying, like, we're so concerned about like the aesthetics of shit that we don't really. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it just it seemed like a. a a blank um, I mean, it's yeah, and like you said, it's he just wasn't that guy who would bring that sort of perspective. That like I think, like I think we, for so long we were sort of caught up in the idea of what a black president would be like, and you know, for better or worse, we sort of got into the whole idea of like what comedians would give us, like. You know, uh, the first black president come in and wipe everything out right. and all. Like and all the kids. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, right, right. Um, and, but but he wasn't that guy, and yeah. you know. I mean, I wasn't expecting like you know him to like raise a black power fist to every White House presser. Sure. But I guess I expected. Um, you know, to, I expected a president who would call white folks out on their bullshit. Mm-hmm. Like when we are, you know. Um, Having conversations about healthcare and abortion, and uh, and you have like white Republicans who have made it very, very clear they're going to fight everything you do. Um, you're, again, your response should be let's build a bridge and like let's keep comp- you know let's keep trying to find a way to compromise yeah. because you're not going to compromise. I wanted I wanted a president with teeth. I didn't get one. Yeah. And now the, and now we kind of have a president with teeth, and I hate him. Yeah. Like I mean, with no policy, right? Yeah, no no policy, yeah. But you know, it's back. Yeah. Like people have said before. Donald Trump is a result of, you know, white backlash and white feelings and, and white resentment. And it's a, it's a, all wrapped up in a six foot two, 240 pound red face, you know, weirdo. So. Sure. <laughs> Yeah, it's that's that's pretty much a, a good encapsulation yeah. of what happened with with their transition. Mm-hmm. But um, 
Yeah, let's talk. Let's talk a bit now, just to get off some some better feelings. Okay. Um, let's talk about your your current work now okay. with Block Club Chicago. Um, um you know, you you, have, you haven't been there long, right? It's, how long? I started in January. Yeah. Um, I'm a beat reporter for Alvin Gresham, Shavin, um, and Inglewood, and okay. um, which is great um, for me because I. I only had sort of before I started the job. I only had sort of like a, you know, passing knowledge of, of these neighborhoods. Okay. I grew up here and I live in Hyde Park now. Mostly on this side of right. the expressway. So like now I'm sort of you know getting to you know work on stories that are you know on the other side and yeah. it's cool. Um, and I think. Having, like, I'm a Southsider, so I got, like, that's <laughs> low end girl for real. But, no doubt. Um, having the ability to sort of shape the narrative of how, you know, like, shape the narrative of these neighborhoods to sort of somehow help them tell their own stories is important to me. And, like, I love the work I do because of it. Like, it's hard sometimes to pay me but. Um, Ultimately, like, community journalism is important. Like, I get to cover stories that other newspapers ignore. Yeah. Um, and when I do, <laughs> when I do cover those stories, when I do file those stories, they pay attention. And that's cool. Like, I mean, of course, they're going to get credit for some of the shit that they pick up. But it's, 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 it's the nature yeah. of the... Of There's the always paper. some, like, one of the bigger papers here right. or some national... Entity or something always swooping. Like, right, it's like, oh, oh, now you're paying attention. Cool. Um, but no, like on a local level, like I feel like I'm doing, I'm in some small way, like doing the work to to make this city better. Yeah. Um, because as much as I talk shit about Chicago, this is my home. Like, I mean, I feel like, and I, I'm gonna age myself with this reference. There's an episode of Sex in the City. <laughs> Don't judge me. No? Um, oh, yeah, I watched where, it too. Right. right. Like there's the episode where Carrie Bradshaw is uh, with her friends, and they're like on uh, they've been hanging out with a naval officers from Fleet Week or whatever. Okay. And she meets one of them. She you know flirts with him or whatever, and he starts until and like everything is all good until he shits on New York, and she's like, uh, and we're done. Like you know like. <laughs> Like, you know, like New York is like my boyfriend and nobody talks to you about my boyfriend. Like, right. I, mean, I do talk to you about my boyfriend, but you better not. And like, that's my answer to Chicago. Because it's like, I can talk to you about Chicago because I grew up here and I live here. But like, you stranger bitch, you can't talk about Chicago. Like, you can't. Like, I don't, I don't recognize, I don't. That's you, it, I don't respect that. That's pretty much the prevailing attitude <laughs> when you when you take when you look at uh, Chicagoans on uh, right. Twitter, yeah. on Facebook, like whatever somebody from outside the city deal like tries to call themselves dealing with Chicago issues is is really not accepted well it's by. Like, right, I mean, it's like, no, you know, but it's like Talking about Chicago problems, they just live here. Like, how do you know? Right. You know, like everybody's like, oh, it's like Beirut or Chirac, and like I don't, I hate. Oh God, let me get started on Chirac, but that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> but like, as a kid who used to, you know, regularly hit the fucking floor whenever your years came around because niggas were shooting. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I know what it is, but I also know that those same dudes. Like if I had run into some issues and trouble around here, those are the same dudes who have my back. So don't tell me about, like, you know, fuck, motherfuckers don't care or whatever, because that wasn't my reality, and that wasn't the reality for a lot of folks right now. Right, right, and 
and that, that makes me think too of stuff like like just yesterday you had the big march on 79th mm-hmm. like there's a lot of people here mo- the majority of people really do care about the communities here in chicago they just need help exactly you know? they need resources yeah. you can't sit here and talk shit about people not getting jobs not working when you're not bringing jobs to the area like when we're moving amazon to come here and of course they're going to sub shop downtown they're going to tell you that they're bringing thousands of jobs to the area how many of those jobs are going to folks in the south and west side yes you can't you know sit here and talk about people not you know, not using the things that are, the resources that are available to them when there are any fucking resources you can close down mental health clinics you can close down schools i used to go to overton uh, on 49th in Indiana. And my husband and I, we just drove past it, and I'm just, I mean, it's been sitting there, dormant, for years. Mm. Like, just, you know, graffiti everywhere, and, and just completely overgrown. That was a school, that was a, that, that, and that school was like a, a, a nucleus in the neighborhood. It's, it's like a community hub, and you're, and it's just sitting there. Right. I mean, that's, that's the shit that this is It's like, you want, you know, like, you, you want to blame black folks for not doing enough, but you make sure that they don't have what they need in order to succeed. Okay, okay. That's, no, I mean, you, you could, you could, I'll gladly let you go on about that. I, I definitely agree. You know, and, and in regards to the community that you're, that you're covering, how, you know, how has your your outlook on those communities, has it, you know, widened or adjusted in any way since you've been covering them? Because those are like, those are, especially yeah. Inglewood and Auburn Gresham, those are like two of the most polarizing neighborhoods so in the city. What's really interesting to me is that there's this long, this is sort of widely held belief that, uh, that black folks and law enforcement hate each other. You go into these communities, and it's not necessarily the case. They love law enforcement. They love it. Because, like, the cops make sure, you know, they come around and make sure that, you know, like, their garage is broken into for, like, a million times. Like, they have, like, these long-standing relationships with local, you know, police, and they work with them to make sure they ain't with you. And I can't really knock that. Like, I mean, if you're a home, you know, like if I'm a property owner, and I've lived in the neighborhood for years, and I, you know, I want to keep my shit safe, and I get that. Um, but there's also this sort of weird disconnect when it comes to those folks and, say, lower income black people. And I don't think we sort of explore the classism, the interracial classism aspect of living in this city enough. Because I've had some really uncomfortable conversations with folks who are civically minded and educated and for the most part, you know, comfortably, you know, like, like they're comfortable financially. Sure. Um, but when they start talking about those people in those neighborhoods, and, you know, those people who live in apartments, play loud, like I mean, you, you can close your eyes and it sounds like like the white guy on Reddit. Like, I mean, it's like they're speaking <laughs> right. the same language. Like Bill from right. from Naperville. Right. It's like Bill from yes, yes. <laughs> um, and it's 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 really wild. Like. And you can't really sit there. You can't, you can't, you know, I'm a reporter, so I can't, you know, I push back a little bit, not, you know, because you have to keep talking. 
and um, sometimes the, the way is a very clear um, separation, a very clear um, disconnect um, between these two groups. And I don't know how we address that without people sort of coming or like being honest about about how they see how they see these people and how they see themselves. That makes sense. No. Like I feel like a lot of this, you know, like like a, you know, sometimes I'll talk to folks who are like maybe a, a generation into you know home ownership. Yeah. Um, and you know, other times I'm talking to folks who have the same house in their family for like 60, 70 years. Yeah. And but they're both in the same thing. It's like these people don't act right. And I don't respect them because they don't act like they don't do what I think they should do. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's a really weird. Yeah, that's, that's sort of like a, I don't know if it's a uniquely American. Oh, no, my, I don't think so. Yeah, yeah. but I, it's, 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 I don't know. It's like, it's, 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 that's kind of the same mentality that I think about when, when uh, like, there's reports of riots and, you know, so much focus is on property damage mm-hmm. instead of focusing on what the people are going through. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's just not like, like, that. I think in America, like like I say, with so much going back to the beginnings of the country, so much emphasis has been on protecting homeowners and protecting land, land yeah. protecting land. And but we 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 do so little for the weakest among us, right. you know, the people who are struggling. Like I, I like this this thing stays this uh, this incident stays with me. But like I was covering an aldermanic forum uh, in the twenty first ward, which is. Uh, real far south. Um, like, talking like Auburn Gresham and like um, parts of um, Roseland. Okay. Um, and uh, another area that's So like um, by Brainerd or something? Brainerd, yeah. yeah. So like, I'm, I'm covering it, uh, this form, and like, they're, I'm at the, uh, we're at the portion where, you know, like, they're taking questions from the audience, and they've had, you know, they had, like, attendees sort of stick their questions in this, you know, box, and just, you know, people are asking questions anonymously. All black, you know, an all black audience. Um, and the moderator pulls up this question. Uh, the question is, like, how do we, um, how do we make sure that the people who move in here have respect to the community? How do we make sure, how do we basically teach all the ghetto, you know, families who are moving in? how to, you know, clean up after themselves and, you know, yada, yada, yada. It's super embarrassing. Like, the way this question was framed should have raised all the eyebrows. And it didn't. And the two candidates, um, the the incumbent, all of it, like, he didn't show up at all. Like, it was just the two, his two, (laughs) (laughs) it was just his, um, two opponents. Okay. And, like, they just answered the question straightforwardly as if there was not, as if there was no issue, as if, it was yeah, there's nothing all, wrong right, with that it, thinking at all. And like that's the shit that stays with you. But that that's like a you know, it's they're not alone in it. Like I, I feel like, um, like, like you said, like this is like sort of a, you know like a, a widely you know sort of felt you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's the same conversations I had with my brother and his wife. 
and I mean they were homeowners um, and uh, gosh uh, they were homeowners in uh, uh, not Ashton. Um, they were like they were the they lived in like West Auburn Gresham for like years. My brother worked for the city for like thirty years. Okay. Um, and so like you know he probably was able to make they were to a house. And at this point they are working to keep this house. Like, they are working to just pay rent. And a lot of the conversations I had with him while he was still living here, the same shit. Like I mean, and I, again I don't know how we address that. Goal. I don't know how we. Uh, I don't know how we feel that wound because there's some like anti-blackness even among in, in, it exists even among our own. Yeah. And we have to call it being a thing, and we kind of have to. It's it's so deep rooted. Yeah. yeah. And we don't even know that we're fucking doing it because we yeah. like I mean like when I'm hearing you know shit like well. Now maybe if those kids that went to school, maybe the schools wouldn't be closed. What is that? What is that? <laughs> like, ma'am, like, you went to do something. Stop. Just stop. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, it's just crazy shit like that. Um, but yeah, no, like, so that is definitely an eye, like, a, sort of an eye opener. I think I always knew that, you know, for the most part, black folks were kind of socially conservative. But when it, when it, you know, when it comes to, like, covering shit around election time and seeing their attitudes, so witnessing things in the it's like, wow. Wow. <laughs> like, Get your eyes this is mad uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and it's sort of like, it's kind of jarring because, again, as a formerly poor kid, like, I don't know how you, know, you can fix your face to say these things. And, like, you don't know my economic background. You don't know how I grew up. And so when you say these things, I'm like, wow, this is really. Really but see, that's interesting because it, it sort of goes into where I wanted to go, yeah. a little bit of where, where I want to go now. Like reporting, I guess, even though a lot of reporters are poor as hell, <laughs> it is sort of looked at as more yeah. of a white collar yeah. profession. Yeah. And so when you have brothers and sisters who are reporters, I guess they may have been looked at, even if you're like a, 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 a low income, you know, uh, entry level person, you sort of looked at it as a person who made it. So, like, when I'm, when I'm thinking, where I'm going with that is like, you know, for one, there's, there's not a lot of us who get daily reporting jobs. And, you know, how do you, how do you navigate as a black person, as a person who's come from the background that you come from, being now in the mix of this profession, which doesn't always hold up the values that we were raised and that were embedded in us coming up. Because I, I, you know, I came up like much the same way as you, and I, I worked in, I worked in a network of newspapers with like four papers, and I made there may have been times where I was like one of one of only two black people in the whole network, you know. So. Like that's dis that's disconcerting. I dealt with it, but that shit is just disconcerting. No matter how you you wrap your head around it, you know. So it, it, I know with with block with block club block club, you know, for those who don't know, it sort of rose up out of the ashes of DNA Info, and DNA Info. And, you know, staff black people, staff, you know, our, our friend Evan Moore uh, among them and uh, quite, quite a few other people as well. And, um, you know, like, I think one thing that separated DNA 
and I, I, it looks like you guys are doing it too that made you guys relevant was the fact that you guys are reporting make sure that you have people on the ground in black neighborhoods yep. and that you are doing a good service to every neighborhood in town not just the north sides or the suburbs and stuff you're not you're not just uh i try and identify with people who you know are going to subscribe to your website and you know I guess if you want to just give me some of what you think about the mission of a website like Rock Club and, you know, how, how do you feel as a voice and a, you know, as a person within that, that group and, you know, what, what does it mean for you to be a part of it? Wow, that's a, that's a good question. Um, so, like, I have to credit um, the leadership of Rock Club for, like, fighting to make sure that their staff Not even, not even, not like, not only that, like, it's sort of like, it's not, you know, it's not, it's not just about diversity, but it's also inclusion, right? And I think they work really hard to make sure that the mask head is well, you know, like the, the demographics of the city. Yeah. Um, and as a, like, I started my career about the fitness. Yeah. And so when you're black, and 
done an ABJ, and I've done, you know, other organizations or whatever, and I'm not, I've never received the support or the, the nurturing I need from, from those organizations. And it sucks. Um, I think it, and it's tough too because I've been I've been an NABJ member since college. Yeah. And you know, I think so in so many instances, like you said, you don't get the nurture that you see. You have to be so active in order to get that feedback and stuff right. that you want. Like but that. I think so many people. Yeah. But I think so many people are like I said because there's the, the numbers of us are so little we're so sp- spread out and stuff mm-hmm. I think so many people are, are caught up in keeping what they got right that and, they don't want to pay, pay it more and that's another yeah. thing like I mean I'm saying this is I got a response like a gazillion goddamn emails from because uh, I went uh, to a uh, I, I manned the table at the NABJ job fair. Um, Fired up in Northwest. Yeah, yeah. And I met some incredible fucking kids, and I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> and I, I mean, it, like, I have to respond to like all the emails. I feel awful. Um, but that's what I'm talking about. Like taking that time to nurture, to sort of, you know, like some of the best mentors I had were folks who were just willing to sit and talk sure. and shoot shit, and like, you know, and and impart wisdom without being threatened that trying to steal my job. I'm like, I just got here, bitch. I don't care. Like, I just want to teach me, right? Um, and I never got that nurture. Uh, but I'm getting, I'm getting that consideration here. And I think also, like, having editors who have been reporters themselves, been on the street themselves, it also makes a difference because they know how taxing this work is, they know how demanding the work is, and, like, the fact that they understand that you need, a, you know, time to breathe and time to walk away from, you know, like, mm-hmm. because we're, we're covering, you know, so, like, sometimes it's great, and, and, and Sometimes you have that story where you're like, motherfucker, I got yeah. to lays, <laughs> lays you out. Um, so I think that's important. And to be able to, like, I mean, I, I can't, like, I don't know, it's really hard to articulate, but I'm just fucking happy to do it. Like, there are some days when it's, like I said, hard as fuck, but, like, being in a, being part of um, VCC, um, being part of a collective that really cares about what they put out, and and like the fact that they're conscious, they're like so conscious of, of what they put out sure. and how it affects the community at large. Sure. Like that shit's important. And if I miss them, I know that they're gonna check me. And if I, you know, if I see a misstep, I can say something without fear of retribution. That's awesome. Like you know, because I mean, I haven't. You know, you know how you, you know, when you're like one of the only in a newsroom, you might get hit with a microaggression or whatever. Yeah. That hasn't happened. You don't feel, like, no, no. You don't feel like, marginalized. Be I was like, no. Yeah. I don't. I feel like part of the team, and I feel like that. That's important. like. I mean, that makes me. That makes my work better. That makes me work harder. So, yeah, like, that's great. I'm glad you feel that way. Yeah, that's good, and, and it makes me feel better about uh, BCC, and yeah. hopefully it'll continue on. It seems like um, a big part of what they've been able to do has been, you know, getting monies in from their subscribers and stuff like that. I, I know being in, involved with sports journalism, I've seen that make a difference with a site like the the Athletic. Yeah, and so Ooh, now yeah. now you get do, do you do you think like 
with the success of stuff like The Athletic and, and BCC, do you think that's going to be the wave now going forward of the more subscription-based work? And do you think that's important to... I think, I, I, think it, I think it's an important shift. I wasn't really on board at first, but I think not being beholden to advertisers um, definitely changes the game. Yeah. Um, and people are willing to pay for being in the know. And they're not, you know, we're not asking, you know, for like an outrageous, it's not an outrageous ask for like a few bucks or whatever. Like how much you would pay for like, if you walked to the newspaper stand now and picked up the paper. But, sure. Um, so I don't think it's an outrageous ask, but I think that when you put out quality content, people will come to it. And they do. Like we get, um, we've, we've uh, I think, gosh, what was the last number my editor told me we were at? I think we're, uh, got a few thousand now. And I mean, that's a big deal. But like, like we've, we're like a year old this this month. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. So like, I think that's a big deal. And we're getting, you know, grants. And I think nonprofit journalism, uh, like, I, I think that being a nonprofit organization again gives us a lot more leeway. Sure. Because, um, like you said, but not beholding, not right, right. We're not beholding to the advertisers. We don't have to worry about pissing off, you know, the wrong people, quote unquote. Because yeah. I mean, that's kind of a job. We have to piss off people. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right. You have to agitate. It's, if you're not pissing off anybody, you're not doing it right. you know, yeah. Um, but I think uh, it gives us, you know, like it's one less to worry about, and it gives us a chance to focus on what really matters. And I think, um, you know, other, you know, other sites have been doing it. People pay for the Times, people pay for the Trib, yeah. people pay for NYT. I don't know why, why people still pay for the New York Times, but I'm gonna leave that alone because <laughs> I'm like, I am, I am probably like I'm on Twitter maybe once a week asking people why do you still subscribe to New York Times? Like, what's <laughs> happening here? Like, I'm like, I'm, I'm driving the campaign to keep on beating the time. But yeah, I mean, but even then, you know, people are willing to pay for stuff if you give them something worth paying for. And I think you definitely do that. And people are definitely responsive. And it's really great to be out in the field and like, you know, tell someone that you, you know, you're a book of BCC, they're like, oh my God, I love you guys so much. It's amazing. Um, which is what, oh god, that just happened to me. Um, last week I was covering uh, Danny Davis. Um, like, he, he and a, like, McDonald's uh, are announcing, like, they were bringing new jobs to, like, the city. Okay, and, uh, they are, yeah. Yeah, yeah, one of the folks uh, there, I, I think she worked on, she's at McDonald's in a second or whatever, and she's like, oh my god, I love you guys. Like, what, what do you need? Do you need anything? Can I get you? Like, like I mean, like, it, I mean, it's great to work for folks, for, like, to be, to work with people who um, have, you know, already, like, a, a great reputation out the gate, you know? Yeah, that's uh, It's the same shit with DNA. Like, when I was freelancing with DNA, and I'd be like, I'm working with DNA Info, they're like, oh my god, yes! You come to all our stuff, we love you. Like, it's, I mean, and that, it's different. It's like, it, people, and that's the other thing. Like, if you are embedded in the neighborhood, if you're embedded in these neighborhoods, it's like they know you, they trust you, yeah. and you're 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 paying attention to shit that would be ignored otherwise. They know that, they appreciate it because you're putting in the work, you're putting in the effort. Yeah. There's nothing like working with someone who you know values the work that you're doing and 
values that you're giving them the right. coverage and a platform to right. you know to be to be a, a talk about and right. stuff. Right. Yeah. So like okay. I mean that's super important to me. I, like I love the fact that I'm able to sort of do that and, and like people have been really really great. Well, some people have been really really great. Others are like, mm. but you know. <laughs> Those are the ones you gotta you gotta poke them a little. Right. Right. But well, I mean, you know. Um, We've also sort of, you know, ticked a few people off in our yeah. time, so. It's like, like yeah. you say, you ain't, you ain't ticking nobody off. You, uh, ain't, you ain't doing it right. Yeah. That's exactly it. So. So. But no, it's been really great so far, and I kind of look forward to, you know, you know, like what happens, um, what happens next. Like, we're getting two, two new reporters soon. Um, we're going to get like a, we're going to have like a, Reporter for Hyde Park, so that kind of takes the, okay. the pressure off me a little because I've been sort of pitching. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's my neighborhood. Like, I can't not, you know. Sure. Um, but yeah, so that's great. Um, and like, again, they took their time with finding folks who um, were community minded and who had the experience and were also a color. Like, that's right. a big thing. Um, so yeah, I look forward to meeting them. It's gonna be great. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'm like, we're, we're, we're gonna be around. I feel like I feel I have a good feeling that we're gonna be around for a while. I, I, I wish y'all the best. I wish yeah, definitely. Uh, there's that, like I said, it's definitely a, a need for what y'all do, and you know, hopefully, uh, it, like I said, makes com- community-based journalism just in general is, is something that can it definitely can undercut a lot of the damage that uh, yeah. uh, corporate journalism yeah. has unleashed on <laughs> our country. So you know, I, I, that's corporate journalism for. No, it's not gonna go away anytime soon. Right. So we got to offset that with other ways of doing, right. you know, doing the work. So hopefully, uh, you know, definitely like just the fact that they're employing people like you is is a good enough sign for me. So uh, oh, definitely, yeah, definitely uh, uh, wish the best for Block Club Chicago. But uh, you know, it's, it's you know, you, you're Jamie Nesbitt Golden, yeah. but you're also known as the Way of the Ear quite, by quite a few people <laughs> online. And uh, you know, as as we get into I want to talk you know, talking about this event you're having on uh, May 22nd with uh, Feminista Jones, another quite uh, popular uh, figure on on Twitter and, and the like and stuff like that. I, want, I just want to get your thoughts on on your online persona and, and what's what's it meant to you in regards to you know uh, your your career and you know just establishing you as a voice that is respected and and many you know quite a few different circles in, in regards to you know maybe issues like you know women's issues and uh you know you know other you know chicago stuff of course and i know you know you you were, you were in the mix in regards to the r kelly stuff you know and, and that's what we that's what i kind of gave mitch to earlier you, you know you went to kenwood when he was sort of stalking yeah, kenwood yeah. high school sure, and the, like you you sort of had you know you you've been around at some interesting times uh-huh. and you've been able to speak on things from a direct perspective that other people can so you know how what does that mean for you in regards to like i said your online persona and and the way that you uh, grown your Twitter, you know, this, yeah. this, you got a big, you got a big, you're pretty big on Twitter, like I said. I, yeah, I, like, I, don't, I don't know why, because I'm like, <laughs> like, like journalism rants and like dick jokes. Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't really provide that, that much content. Like, today, like, I was, you know, yelling at people for um, short people slander, you know, 
why can't short people be considered stallions too? Like, if May can be a stallion, why can't short people be stallions? Short I, think, stallions? I think that's kind of the thing. You're not a stallion <laughs> if you're not tall. I mean, it's not fair. Or, yeah, like, long. I feel like all heights matter. Like, so, <laughs> but no, like, it's been really wild for me personally. Um, because I didn't set out to do it. Like, I mean, I've been online since college. That's, oh my God, 20 years since being online. Um, and, like, I, I blogged. I had an online journal for a little bit. And it was just, you know, me talking shit about life and current events and whatever. And when Twitter popped off, I was like, micro-blogging? What the fuck? No. <laughs> and then here I am, like, a year later, like, okay, what's up, guys? And it wasn't necessarily about building a brand or building an audience. It was just talking shit with my friends and, like, meeting up with them. Like, it was just a continuation of that. And then I started getting, you know, stranger bitches following me. And it's like, oh, I don't have anything else. I didn't really have anything about to say, but I mean, okay. Right. You got to give that forewarning. Right, like, yeah. dick jokes. Like, yeah. that's all I have for you. Um, but no, like, it really became accidentally a I've gotten lots of opportunities. Um, but I would have gotten other ones if it weren't for Twitter. If it weren't for having um, that platform. And so I'm thankful for that. Um, I think... Um, now, you know, like, I've, I've, I've mellowed out my old age. So not too many dick jokes anymore. <laughs> you have a child. Right, I mean, and, like, I always, like, I know, like, for my kid, like, you know, two or three years from now, because even he's, he's slowly creeping online. Oh, okay, um, yeah. So it's only a matter of time when he's, like, checking out to it, like, Mom, what is this? Like, why are we... And, like, and it's, like, and all these dick jokes are now archived by a library of Congress. It's awesome. Um, <laughs> right. But, like, I mean, it's wild. I mean, like, again, it's not something I set out to do, and it's just something that just happens. And, but I'm nevertheless appreciative of the platform, um, you know, Twitter itself, you know, has a little... It's, 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 there are a lot of issues. <laughs> yeah. Particularly some, if you're a person of color. Yeah. Um, some good, a lot of good, right, some bad. Some bad, right. And that bad. Oh, boy. Um, but, um, you know, whenever some bullshit happens, you know, I, always, I go into my white guy costume and uh, <laughs> <laughs> wait for the shit to blow over. That's like, you should do. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, like, it allowed me to share my, my, my work with a larger platform and people saw the work and they're like, okay, we'll fuck with you. That's cool. I'm like, all right, bet. Yeah. Um, and it's definitely helped me hone my voice yeah. um, and, and sort of um, improve the way I communicate with people. I mean, for the most part, I feel like they're, they're, I don't know if it's, like it used to be possible to sort of have discussions on Twitter without the conversations are devolving into like vitriol attacks. Yeah. I think that once upon a time it was possible. I'm not sure if it was. It's so much. It, it is. I don't. I'm not sure if it is now. <laughs> if it is, it's very few and far. It's like it's, it's sporadic. It's, it's like really, everybody's just working from their own. Right from their own like silos. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. Um, but I feel like 
for me, like the important part, the, the important part of like um, the important thing to me was with again st- sort of staying authentic and saying me. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't people like you. I can't get away with lying because too many people know me, so I can't like fake shit. Like I, you know, I don't. Sure. Right. It's like <laughs> people are gonna pull receipts. Um, so I think that to help me stay true to myself. Um, and like, I feel like you don't have to, you know, put on, you don't have to do anything else to do. I don't know if it um, You don't, I mean, well, bullshitting people might work for others. Yeah. I know that I have to live with the choices I make and I have to live with uh, the consequences of those choices, good or bad. Um, and that sort of keeps me in check. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, like, if I talk about feminism, if I talk about online trolling, if I I make sure that my shit's tight and I know the fuck I'm talking about, so that you know, because yeah. <laughs> you can't, you know. And I think that's you know, like kind of the other thing about being a journalist. Like, if you're going to come up with stories, you're gonna, you, like you have to know the fuck you're talking about. You have to yes. do the research. Yeah. And that's important to me. And so. And at the least, it makes you good at arguing. Right. Just... right. And you're like, and I'm, <laughs> but like I'm, I'm, you know, like, and I, I'm not. I don't want to say I'm argumentative. I don't think I am. I mean, like, I say what I say, and I kind of move on. I'm not gonna like go back and forth with you all day. Mm-hmm. Like I'm at the point where, it's like now, like you know, some I'll tweet something, it'll go viral, and some randoms will be in my mentions talking shit. It's like, mm-hmm. okay. <laughs> right. Like block. Moving you, on. Right. right. No, like, I, like, and you know that uh, most, for most cases, they're just trying to do, do right, get a rise out. Right. And it's like it's not even a good thing. Like yeah. you know that, and, and so you kind of you, you come back accordingly, um, or you respond accordingly, and it is what it is. Um, but yeah, like I, I've also learned a lot from Twitter, or from people on Twitter, the people I follow. Pardon me. Um, like it's definitely helped shape my perspective about the world. There are things that I didn't know that I was even, you know, like I feel like um, you're not going to know everything about everything, right? That's impossible. Um, and you have to start from somewhere. And there are a lot of things, even when I started school, that I didn't really know or didn't consider. Like, you know, think, you know, stuff about trans rights. Um, so about feminism, because I wasn't a feminist out the gate. Like, I didn't, I, I was really reluctant to, to type, call myself a feminist, because, okay. you know, <laughs> I didn't believe in some of the things that were being said. It's like, it's not too much about what other people do, it's about how you feel about it, but it's about yeah. how, what that movement means to you. What, and, it, and it's very clear, like, anybody can be a feminist. Anybody can be a feminist. Right. Um, yeah, I, that's, I've always thought, like, like as a man, like I've always thought too, like should I call myself, or am I really that, am I really that thorough with it? What should I, you know, because I want, I want, I'm definitely for equal rights and equal pay and all these things, and I don't, I don't want to tell women what to do with their bodies at all, you know. But it's like, am I really a feminist? You know? I mean, like, 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 I feel like, yes, yes, you are. Even if you're a feminist, I mean, I feel like, you know, we have to make that space for people. 
if Cardi B can be a feminist, if Michelle, you know, if Michelle Obama can be, like, we can all be fucking feminists. Of course, I mean, we, but we still have to, as long as we hold to those basic tenets of what feminism is. Yeah. Um, and, I, and, I, and I think that's sort of important. Um, but yeah, you, no, it's definitely shaped my perspective on a lot of things. What do you think about, like, because some people just like, it's, it's like just a dirty word, though, right? Well, I think, well, I mean, like, so, so the, um, certain, you know, fuck that, the right has made it, how can I put this? Um, conservatives are assholes. <laughs> and that said, they're also brilliant at messaging. Yeah. So, so terms like social justice become pejorative. Yeah, SJW. Right, yeah. SJW is dirty word. Feminism, yeah. dirty word. Socialism. We don't know what fuck socialism is, but it's still dirty. It's like, you know, <laughs> like, I mean... <laughs> They still like, associated with Stalin. Right, and stuff. right. It's like really though. Like, <laughs> is that what we're okay? All right. Um, but they count on the ignorance of the, of the world at large, the, of the the country at large, to sort of play on these divides, these cultural divides. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, I mean, like at some point, you know, it's kind of like you know, um, the third grade bully trying to like. Value like you can't really like you can't you don't even go here first like you flunk twice <laughs> like you, you're repeating third grade again yep. and you're, you're like I mean and that's kind of like how the way you it's kind of the way you have to sort of see it like for me it's like I if this is about the wits you come unarmed and I can't help you like you're one legged win and an ass kicking right, right. <laughs> social justice warrior like that's, 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 right there with shea butter like feminist it's like I moisturize and I understand what this insult is. Like it has to make it make sense, Rocky. Like make it make sense. <laughs> um, but yeah, like you just kind of have to like kind of laugh at it because it's like, why wouldn't you care about social justice? Why wouldn't you want to be concerned with the social welfare of people at large? Like, what is Thank wrong you. with that? Right. Everybody's just like, but, I mean, but the right is definitely they like the right has definitely been able to sort of capitalize on the ignorance of folks and make it seem as though the fighting on behalf of. Uh, marginalized groups is a bad thing and it should never get that far but the media has also played a part in it like let's be honest like, sure. when it comes to cultural wars like when you have you know esteemed places like the new york times so you know uh, intellectualizing hatred uh, gotta make sure we get both sides right. yeah. um you know this both siderism shit like that adds to the decline of the conversation it adds to the that adds to, to, to sort of you know um, to make things a lot more um, scary than they have to be. Like, I mean, if people were operating from a wise place, I believe, way, if, 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 if people were sort of operating from a, a, an honest place, we'd probably be a lot better off. More people would do that. We're here. We're here in 2019. Trump still is an obvious. I mean, like, we got 20,000 people try to run against them. Yeah, yeah, a trailer boat, a trailer yeah. boat. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of, lot of messed up stuff. But let, let's, yeah. let's get the, before we wrap up, let's okay. get, in, get in this this official plug for uh, for Wednesday. Uh, okay. Reclaiming Our Space. Yes. How black feminists are changing the world from the tweets to the streets. Yes. 
you and Feminista Jones. What, yeah. uh, this, I guess that pretty much uh, says a lot there, but what, 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 what from your mind, what, what, what can we expect from that event? Um, I think people who come can expect a lively, fun conversation about um, how social media has sort of shaped um, the current iteration of feminism. Like how, you know, um, how folks have been able to take these platforms and and create movements for them. And I think, I mean, like shit, like <laughs> from <laughs> um, you have, you know, uh, activists who are on the front line, Ferguson, who are now, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like I mean, yeah, it's, it's amazing. Like some of the, you know. And, and it, it, like some of the way that people have progressed through from those times yeah. and really become yeah. you know uh, established voices yeah. and stuff like I that. I mean, like that shit as well. It, I mean, it's it's worth noting that again, without Twitter, none of this would be possible. Yeah. Um, you know, you had uh, uh, gosh, now I'm blanking on the other uh, movements, but uh, the Nista had uh, a campaign. Um, and I'm totally blanking on it. But I mean, like, again, she was able to mobilize and, and sort of, like, she was mobi- and, and sort of able to, to sort of, uh, sort of reach out and, and connect with folks who mobilized behind her. To, okay, yeah. You know. Um, so, I mean, I, I think, you know, those things are definitely discussed. Um, and just, you know. Dick jokes. Uh, yeah, but, yeah, how many <laughs> dick jokes do you think? Yeah. That's what I do. It's a gift. There you um, go. No, like, yeah. You gotta give them what they want. Right. <laughs> you see me, you're gonna get dick jokes. Um, but no, like, I mean, that's it's it's really that. Um, I think. Uh, you know, we'll touch about some of the things she wrote in the in the in the book. Yeah. It's really good. Um, Did she reach out for to you to yeah. host this? Yeah. Like, so like. Um, we have known each other for like years, so like it's you know really cool to like see her blow up and like this is um, sort of a love letter to like I feel like the book itself is sort of a love letter to folks who have you know sparked these movements and uh, I think it's important to acknowledge that acknowledge that so uh, oh god um, black girl magic is one like I mean <laughs> oh yeah yeah. <laughs> Lizzie, um, Kishan Thompson, who was the creator of Black Girls and Magic, has the, the hashtag, whatever. Like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. And, yeah, and yeah. you got a lot, of, like, a lot of examples of the Oscar So White. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, if you Your Me Too. Yeah. I mean, like, I feel like we have to speak. We have to. And, you know, like, black folks, particularly black women, are taught to be humble and be, you know, and, and, and just be grateful that you're in the room. But like, if we don't, if we don't big up ourselves, if we don't tout, or you know, if we don't pat ourselves on the back, if we don't um, tout our accomplishments. Who will? Like, you sure. have to be your own cheerleader sometimes. And I think. It, well, and, and and that said though, the, you know, we gotta big y'all up too. More, yeah, more, I mean, so. like, hey, we accept the yes, <laughs> yes, to get yes, yeah. yes, black men, yes, yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, like, I, I feel like. The more voices, the, the better. And I mean, like, and I think thanks, that's what FJ's doing here with the book. It's like, you know, these are the, these are the people who were doing the work. These are the people who use the platform in a way to inspire, to to uh, you know uh, provoke, 
and and these are you know like these are moments in, in history worth noting. These are people who are worth remembering. And I think that's that's great. That's what's up. Seven. It's gonna be seven p.m. Uh, Wednesday at uh, Women and Children First. Bookstore, uh, it's up in Andersonville. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Go. Go. Uh, definitely go check it out if you like what we've been talking about here. Definitely. Uh, if you like, if you like Jamie in particular, just yeah, check her out yeah. and get all the the all fun, the all the dick jokes and all the <laughs> <laughs> the intersectional yeah. discussion that you yeah. like, you know. So, but uh, yeah, we'll let's yeah, start to wrap it up here. And I really appreciate you uh, making time to talk with me. This is super fun. Yeah, yeah. Because, I, I, you know, I definitely wanted to do something with you. Like, you know, you, you were kind enough to come on with, with Dean Davis mm-hmm. last year, and I know you had fun with them. Yeah, they were hilarious. I yeah. love them. So, you know, I, I'm glad. I'm, like I said, I'm always glad to, plat- to, to get platforms with people like you. And yeah, you've been. You're a good friend, so you know I definitely wish you the best. But uh, I'm just gonna hit you with a couple of quick hitters. Okay. I'm sort of I'm I'm, I'm sort of evolving this. Like I said, this, this is the first of the series, so. Okay. I, I I got a couple questions that I know I want to ask right. writers sort right. of every time out. So um, the first one, I think you you may have answered this already, but what's one writer who you feel that you're gonna be chasing throughout your career? Gosh. Um. Dead or alive? Yeah, dead or alive. Definitely Roika, I think. Yeah, I, I that's mean, like again, it was like it was my introduction to journalism. Like that was that was the that was what you aspired to. Um, and I know like um, another well a well known sports writer, a well known black sports writer, also holds Roika in high esteem. But I feel like the ghost of Mike Roika would probably show his head. Um, that's me. Chasing Whitlock, who has me blocked on Twitter. I think I said that to him. Um, Are you going to be chasing him with a state? Yes, I'm like, mm. um, But no, like, I, it's a tradition of my Broco. And, um, and, you know, writer, other writers like Langston Hughes and Jordan Houston, um, Nikki Giovanni, like, these were my influences growing up. So, like, I, whenever I, you know, write about things, um, uh, I sort of carry them with me. Um, I think um, they, they were able to speak to people in a way, um, or connect with, they were connect with people in a way that I think, I, I think it's in many ways really kind of hard to even articulate. Like, you can't, how do you, how do you, words describe the feeling of when you read something and say, um, um, I'm totally blanking right now. Um, <laughs> you say, no way. Yeah, there's you can't, no way. I'm like, there's no way. Um, Can I articulate? Right, this is like, I mean, like, he was, like, Langston's like like earliest, earlier essays, um, Zora's, um, my God. Dirt, is it dirt tracks and dust roads? Uh, dust roads dirt roads. I like the, the, the anthropological stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you, because I am lightning right now. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, reading that, reading 
those things, creating those, creating that work as I was growing, like that was, that's a part of me now. Sure. So now, like when I go forth in the world and I'm sort of, you know, helping people tell their stories. I'm not telling them for them, I'm helping them tell their stories. I'm yeah. able to do so in a way that honors them. Not only honors them, but honors the work of folks who come before me. Does that make sense? Definitely. Okay. Definitely. Like I, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that should be like chief a, a chief idea with any journalist really or, and, and most writers in general like you should be a vessel you shouldn't yeah. be the stories shouldn't be about you yeah. you should be like I said providing a platform for other people to tell their stories and to help maybe create better understanding and better yeah. you know connections within within our world yeah. that's you know, at least that's what I think yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh going back to the, the Click hitters here. Okay. Uh, what's one writer who you um, you may know of, but a lot of people may not know of, who you just think is the shit right now? Well, I don't know. Like, I feel like everybody kind of does know her, but like, um, so one of my I don't know. Did you ever did you ever read Post um, Bougie? Like the blog. Uh, not particularly. Really? I may have heard, I think I heard of okay. it. Okay. Um, it was like a collective of writers for a moment. Like, they've all, like, sort of gone on to figure out better things. Okay. Um, but one writer in particular who has really, um, low-key, I low-key stand for her, even though we've never met in person, <laughs> uh, Stasha L. Brown. Okay. Um, I think she's a producer. Uh, she, she produces a radio show now on the East Coast. You say Stasha L. Stasha. Okay. One of the most prolific writers I've ever fucking read. Like, her essays are just amazing. Mm. Um, and I'm really hoping she writes a book one day. Um, because, my God. Like, I just... <laughs> <laughs> um, but there's her. Um, like, I know, I, I think um, people already know the same, but, like... Um, Jhumpa Lahiri, um, she's, um, she's got like maybe like 20 plus years before, like she's a well-known author, um, um, usually like her, you know, protagonists are usually Indian American or first generation, um, she writes about humanity in a way that, again, like it, it defies description. Like I, I don't know how many times I've read um, like some of her. Like, I, I can't tell you. Like I cry every time I read her stuff. Like every time. Like it's. I'm weeping. Um, I'm gonna tear up right now. But like, um, just one of the best to ever do it. Like one of the best to ever to cry with the human condition in such a way that um, I don't know. Like it just, it like it really fucks with you. Um, but yeah, those two are the first ones. Okay. What's your go-to procrastination technique? Real Housewives. <laughs> all of them. Uh, not all of them. I am. I am partial to Atlanta, New York, Potomac. Um, I've heard. I've heard about Potomac, but I've not heard like, many people talk about. It. So that's a, that's a mostly black yeah, cast. Yeah. So too. like, yeah, it's like all the. I'm gonna get in trouble with this. It's like. <laughs> 
To your trash TV time to talk to me, so right, I, I very, yeah, I very much appreciate <laughs> the fact that I've, I've gotten you away from right, that. Now. You know, right? Like, I was doing okay. I was gonna, you know, uh, I think there are a couple episodes of Summer House that I might have, because I also like white people shenanigans. Okay. Um, it's good to see them. Good to see them. Yeah. Like, I mean, this is about as close reparations as I want to get. <laughs> right. So, like, I, you know, I would watch a group of, you know, yuppies uh, take over a, a summer house in the Hamptons to like us and say, because, you know, why not, you know? Um, but yeah, no, I, I did take time out today to, you know, time out of my busy trash TV watching schedule. Yeah, I, like I said, I'm, I'm very... I had fun though, this is great. I'm very appreciative. <laughs> Both of that and of, of our conversation. Jamie, Jamie Nesbitt Golden, thank you very much for being our first guest on Writer's Room. Thank you for having us. It's great. And yeah, just uh, wish you great luck with uh, Wednesday and with everything else in, in your wonderful career. Thank you. Uh, this is it, man. Uh, Writer's Room, we, we made it through one episode. <laughs> and we, we only had a minimum of dick jokes. <laughs> But we may change that in the future. <laughs> but uh, for now, for now, this is your man Kyle Means. I'm signing off here. WeAreRegalRadio.com. War Media. Uh, War on Anchor. Subscribe. Rate us. Uh, Apple Podcasts. Spotify. Google Podcasts. Uh, tune in app. All types of ways you can listen to us. Show us love. And we'll show it right back. And uh, for Jamie, this is Kyle. Once again, we'll holler at you. <laughs> All right. That was great. Thank you.